Um, rather than turning to the book of uh, Philippians, I want to invite you to turn in your Bibles to the book of Proverbs. I'll tell you why in a moment. Go to Proverbs chapter one. Proverbs chapter one. Um, as we've been moving through our study of the book of Philippians, uh, Rob, last week, I, I sat and I watched him teach that, and I've been in the passage myself getting ready for, for our text today, and uh, my mind went immediately to this proverb. So this is where you know, we're encouraging you to keep your booklet, but also keep your Bible because we go to different places. So this would be an example of that. So in Proverbs chapter one, I want you to look at Proverbs chapter one, verse 19. We've got that on the, I think we put that on the screen as well. Proverbs 1, 19, and it reads, such are the ways of everyone who is greedy for unjust gain. It takes away the life of its possessors. Such are the ways of everyone who is greedy for unjust gain. It takes away the life of its possessors. Now, when I, in my Bible, um, I've got written underneath that verse, this little equation. I literally wrote in pencil, gain equals loss. That the, that the writer of the Proverbs is saying, there's actually a gain, like there's a getting that is a losing. <laughs> uh, you get something unjustly, uh, it proves over time to be a tremendous loss to you. Um, there's perhaps no better cultural illustration of that maybe than uh, Tolkien's Lord of the Rings. Uh, the ring, to, to be near the ring is to want it, it's to desire it. To have the ring is to lose your life. Probably, no, you know, you picture this, I, you know, I don't even want to throw a picture up of him because he's so distorted, but uh, the hobbit Smeagol killed to get the ring and then he becomes over time Gollum, who's just a gross distortion of who he truly is. I mean, he, he got something and it caught, see that it cost him everything. Now, here's why I start here this morning, you all. In chapter three of Philippians, three, one through 11, it's all one section. And the underwriting principle in the whole thing is there's a gain that'll cost you dearly. That, that's the message. With that, let's go back to Philippians. <laughs> go back to Philippians chapter three, verses one through 11. Um, let me remind you of the context. Again, we, you know, as we go through these books of the Bible, we, we gotta stay in our context. Rob took verses one through seven. I'll take eight through 11. It really is one unit. So the context of our text this morning is, is one through seven. And Rob reminded us that there were in Philippi, false teachers uh, who were infiltrating the church and telling Philippian Christians, it's not enough to have faith in Christ. You need to have faith in Christ and, and we note here, you know, he warns them of the dogs, the circumcision, those who cut themselves. So, so it's, you, you need to put your trust in Christ and keep the Mosaic law, i.e., you know, all the men need to be circumcised. You need to keep the religious rituals, et cetera. To add anything to the gospel, Paul tells us, is no gospel at all. This was a, this was a massive 
problem in the early church such that Paul would write a letter, you all, specifically related to that issue, the book of Galatians. We find our freedom in Christ. Uh, And it'd be easy for us, y'all, to say, you know, yeah, I'm glad we're not a legalistic church. You know, we, we don't believe that, et cetera. And we would be foolish to say it. The text is for us. And I assure you, there's plenty of legalism in this room because it resides in our hearts. Now, I'm gonna ask you a couple questions. I don't want you to raise your hand, don't answer it out loud. But I really want you to think about this and, and ask yourself, is there, is there the slightest whiff of this in my life? <clears throat> Do you ever go to church on Sunday and afterwards, just, you just kind of feel like that, you know, I'm gonna have a good week, because I, I did church. Or how about this? Have you ever had something in your life go wrong? And, and you just had this thought, what haven't I done that God would allow this in my life? Or perhaps this one, do you, is there something in you that feels like God is more pleased with you because you did have your quiet time today versus you went three days and you, know, you haven't spent any time with God? Now, I'm asking you to consider those for, and, and to consider, is there, none of us would say, yeah, yeah, but we might say, hmm, there is a trace of that residing in me. And that's what Paul's getting at in this text. He used himself as an example. So Rob covered verses one through eight, three through six. Paul says, look at me as an example. And he lists his you know, his resume of righteousness. It's a righteousness that he kept the law. He did everything right. He avoided all the wrong. When Paul says he's blameless, y'all, Paul's not saying he's sinless. He's just saying, hey, I sinned, but everything I need, everything I need to do to cover that sin, I did. I sacrificed. I did the things I need to do. All of that is, a, is his, in, in his eyes, all of that is that which he thought would make him righteous with God. But rather than making him righteous, when he met Christ on the Damascus Road, we pick this up again. Look at your Bibles now, Philippians 3, verse 7. He says, but whatever gain I had, I counted as loss for the sake of Christ. What he, all 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 this achieved righteousness, it's loss for the sake of gaining Christ. Now that, now that our text picks up in verse eight, and it's really, he's gonna repeat himself. I'll show you three times he repeats himself on this. So following along in your Bibles, verse eight, <clears throat> indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. For his sake, I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ. So verse eight, verse seven, Paul's looking back 30 years earlier on the road to Damascus, he put his, he, he came to Christ, came to him and he trusted Christ. And at that moment he says, and I counted all my righteous doings before that as loss in view of knowing Christ Jesus, gaining Christ. And so now notice that was past tense, verse seven, notice verse eight is present tense. Indeed, I now, I count present tense. So from the moment he put his faith in Christ, y'all, it's been 30 years. It's been 30 years. 
and he doubles down and he can still say, any righteousness achieved by my, on my own, it is loss because of the value of knowing Christ. So now present tense, not just who I was before Christ met me there, but now 30 years later, having walked with him. In verse 80 also, he, he, this first word, indeed, we don't, we don't get the whole of it, but it's actually three Greek words. It's one of those like, what three Greek words for this one, indeed? And it's the idea is Paul's saying, he's coming back to it because he's already said, I count it all loss. Then he comes back to it and say, may I emphatically say, I've got to say it again. Do you understand? It's all loss in view of the surpassing greatness of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. Surpassing worth. Uh, the Greek word is huper echo, huper hyper, hyper worth. The, it reminds me of that song, you know, turn your eyes upon Jesus, look full in his wonderful face and the things of the earth grow strangely dim. When we, when the, the worth of Christ, may I say this, when we fully grasp his worth, it makes, <clears throat> it makes all things look worthless in view of who he is. It's the only time in our New Testament, y'all, where, where Paul says, Christ, Jesus, my Lord. He uses those four, Christ, the anointed one, Jesus, the God-man, he's mine, he's Lord, he's Kyrios. So he's doing this three times. Let me show you. Verse seven, whatever gain I had, I count as loss and we could go, okay, I got it. But he repeats himself. Indeed, emphatically, verse eight, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus. That's number two. But notice he does it three times. The third one, for his sake, I've suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ, and, and may I say, when the original audience read this, when they read that, they would have gone, <laughs> hadn't heard that one before, you know, rubbish. It's the Greek skubalon or skubala. It carries these two thoughts, that which would be thrown out to the dogs. So it's rubbish, it's garbage, it's no good, and it also means excrement, it's poo-poo, it's doo-doo, it's feces. And, and you know, when he said that, it would be just, we, we, in the same way that we would go, Ooh. so did they. And he did it in such a way. Because for Paul, <clears throat> additions to the gospel are not just to be considered losses, okay? He's already said that twice. Y'all, they're to be discarded like sewage, discarded, turned away from. And then Paul gives us what's fascinating is a summary of salvation. Now, I'm gonna do these next three verses differently. Uh, verses nine, 10, and 11 are in fact uh, Paul, Paul's summary of salvation. In these verses, we have how we're justified, how we're sanctified, and how we're glorified, all under the heading of salvation. And so that's how I wanna show it. And I actually wanna show it to you um, 
I wanna, I wanna, I wanna draw it because I, I, I want you to see it in this way, that what we're gonna talk about now is salvation. But in salvation, we'll note that Paul says we are justified, we are sanctified, and we are glorified. This is verse nine. This is verse 10. And this is verse 11. I'm gonna put a few notations underneath this, but look in your Bibles. So Paul has said, I count everything as, it's garbage, it's feces, all of any righteousness of my own that I achieve that I can bring before God for a right standing with him. It's, it's to be discarded like sewage out the dung gate, which every city had. And then he speaks of this salvation that is ours in Christ Jesus. And he says in verse nine, and instead of my righteousness I, I, and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ, the righteousness from God that depends on faith. I, I don't know that you'd find a passage in the Bible clear on justification. I wanna add these, these things to justified. In justification, I'm gonna, I'm gonna make this note. Justification is a moment in time it's a moment in time. There's a moment when you place your faith in Christ that you are justified. It is also, it lasts forever. It lasts forever. Y'all, it never changes. Your justification never changes. It is, I'm gonna, it's almost synonymous, but I'm gonna say it is complete Verse nine, and be found in him. It's passive. And so to be, to, to get a, to be declared righteous before a holy God is to be found in Christ. It's that picture that when you put your faith in the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus, you are placed in Christ Jesus, in his righteousness, not your own. This is a judicial righteousness, you all. This is, this is a, this other term would be forensic. It's a legal term. It is to be declared righteous by a righteous judge. The only acceptable righteousness before a holy and righteous God would be that holy and righteous God's righteousness. Is everybody with me on that? So if we say, okay, to be in the presence of God, we understand we have to have the, you have to have the righteousness of God, which would, I hope, would have all of us ask the next question, how in the world does any human being achieve the righteousness of God? And here he answers it right here in our text. That which comes through faith in Christ a righteousness from God that depends on faith. Y'all, it, it is a received righteousness, not an achieved righteousness. It is, it's dependent on faith. You know, think of Ephesians 2, for by grace you're saved through faith and that not of yourselves, it's a gift of God. It's, it's by faith we believe that Christ's righteousness secures our own, justified. 
a moment in time. In that moment, you are declared, when you place your faith in Christ, you are declared righteous. Then he goes on. We're still under salvation because salvation is justification, sanctification, and glorification. It's all three. So verse 11 or verse 10 He says, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and may share his sufferings, becoming like him in his death. He's describing the process of sanctification. I'm gonna make these simple notes because this is where the contrast things I want you to see. So, So sanctification is a process. Uh oh. This happens every time I use this thing is a process over time. It is never finished in this life, never finished. Um, and it is always changing. So what is sanctification? It is from the moment you place your faith in Christ, declared justified, justification. From that moment until the day you die or Christ returns, Sanctification is the process by which we become more in our attitudes, our words, our character, our heart, more like Jesus. That's, that's, it's growth. It's, it's, become, it's, it's being less of your flesh, you're, you're bent towards sin, and more like Christ. Y'all, it's why you're on the planet. It, it, the, the, it's the process by which God makes, uh, helps others around you see what Jesus is like as we who follow Jesus become more and more like him. Notice Paul says that I may know him. Y'all, this knowing of Christ in sanctification is an ever deepening of an intimate experience with Jesus. This, this Greek no is, it's not, you know, I know the facts about Jesus. It is, I know him. It's much more akin to the Old Testament use of no, where a man would know his wife in sexual intimacy. Every time the, the word no is used in the Old Testament, it's always tied to loyal obedience and faithfulness. And so when Paul says to know Christ, he's saying, not that I know about him or I can answer a test about who he is or what he did. No, I know him relationally in an intimate, faithful, loyal obedience to this one who died for me. I'll tell you what's fascinating to me as well is Paul's been walking with Christ for 30 years and he wants to know Christ more. That sits on me, you all. Paul, the apostle, has known, walked with Christ for 30 years, and at this point, he's at the end of his life, and he wants to know Christ more. The more you know Christ, the more you want to know Christ. You wanna know how you're being sanctified? Just ask yourself, do you, do you want to know him more? That, that's a mark of being sanctified. He says, on the power of his resurrection, that's the power of the Holy Spirit in us. The Holy Spirit raised Christ from the dead. The Holy Spirit lives in you and I, and the Holy Spirit, that power resides in us. And he says, I may share in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death. You go, are we still talking about sanctification? Yes. Y'all, the process of becoming more and more like Jesus is more akin to a funeral than a festival. 
Now I say that, don't feel like I'm raining on the parade of, of our joy in Christ, because Paul speaks of it here. It is joy in Christ. But we dare not miss, Paul has already said this, Philippians 1.29, for it has been granted to you that for the sake of Christ, you should not only believe in him, but also suffer for his sake. Suffering and sanctification go hand in hand. Power and death go hand in hand. The Christian life is a continual and repeated death. And in that death, we experience power. You go, what are you, what are you talking about this? Let me, let me put it in terms like how we live day in and day out. Paul says, I want to know the power the power that raised, I wanna know the power that raised Christ from the dead and I wanna join in his suffering and this is how it works. You and I, as we die to our agenda, we die to our agenda for the good of another power. It's like, you wanna experience the power of Christ? Die to your agenda for the good of another. Jesus said it, if you wanna live, die. It's, to, it's you and I uh, dying Dying to what we want, um, it, it, it's, it's, it's dying to, I wanna accumulate everything because the more I have, the happier I'll be. It's dying to that. That's not life. I'm gonna die to that and I'm gonna recognize that all I have is God's and I'm gonna steward it. I'm gonna steward it for the kingdom. You see, and in dying to that and in stewarding all that we have for the kingdom, we experience power, that is the power of God in us. There is no power apart from death. Die to self, experience the power of Christ in our life. We're justified, we are sanctified through suffering and death in experiencing the power that raised Christ from the death and we are glorified. And that's the last verse, look at verse 11, that by any means possible, I may attain the resurrection from the dead. Let me say this. He's not questioning if he's going to get there. I hope I get there that I may attain. He doesn't know. You know. Earlier he said, I may die, I may live. He's not, his glorification is not in doubt. In Romans 8, 28 and 29, Paul says, you know, those whom he called, he, those whom he predestined, he called, he justified, he glorified, glorified. He says glorified in the past tense. All of this, and this is what I wanted to show you on the chart, but you, you can envision this. You know what I'm trying to say here. Salvation, salvation is you are justified, you are sanctified, and you are glorified. That is salvation. If you are justified, yeah, I want you to answer this, how certain is your glorification? Seriously, it's not a trick question. How certain is it truly? Yeah, 100%, you can't separate them. That's the point I was trying to, I wanted to help us see. You, you can't separate them. If you're justified, indeed, you will be glorified and you will be sanctified. which makes justification so important, you all. Are you justified by faith in Christ, by faith in Christ alone? 
Are you tracking with me? Justified. Paul says, not by a righteousness I earned by keeping the law, but by a righteousness that was alien to me. It's a Reformation term, an alien right, a righteousness that was not mine. It was given me because of the finished work of Jesus Christ. And this leads us, y'all, to our invitation to joy and our response to this. So our invitation to joy, and I will see if we can get that up here. If you can see that on the screen, I can't see that on the screen. We'll leave it, invitation to joy, I'll read it. To count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, your Lord. This is the invitation to count everything as loss. And there's two parts. There's two parts to this invitation. One would be that we would repent, that we would repent. I said earlier, y'all, that this message is not just for those who haven't trusted Christ, but it's for all of us who, who, who come to Christ with, with something, <laughs> other than God with something other than Christ alone. It's so it would be for us to repent, to turn our back on anything that we might be trusting in other than the finished work of Jesus. And it's to believe, and it is. I, I don't know, online, if you're online listening, if you're in the room, I, can I say this? And I don't have any, 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 um, anyone in mind. It's highly unlikely that everyone sitting in this room is justified. And perhaps the days to the day, today's the day you would put your faith in Christ if the spirit's at work and, 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 and you, you would see that. Now I've got up here and I know you, you, you're going, okay, what, what, when are you gonna get to this? Well, let me get to this now. So I've got up here, if you can see this, I've got a bag and I've got a gift. In the bag is doo-doo. In all seriousness, I followed my dog around. I had to get, I had to get two loads because Pearl's very small. I had to have some weight. So I got two, two of Pearl's. Uh, and uh, I just laugh at this though. Could you guys imagine, you know, I'm 61 years old. I could never imagine my parents' generation walking around picking up their dog's poop. But that's what we do, right? So, so this really is Pearl's poop. Now, why would I do that? Because it's feces, anything that you add to the gospel. Uh, Eugene Peterson's, uh, paraphrase, he actually says, he said, he calls it dog poop. You know, I call it, you know, I, 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 this, it's dog done, all dog done, all that I do to add to the work of Christ. So that's what's here. And then in, in the gift box, you're not going to be shocked at this. In the gift box, I have the cross. This is from South Sudan. You know, the ladies in South Sudan, they make these and boy, they, they sing this real high-pitched yip, 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 yip when they're singing and they're dancing around with these. So you have the cross of Christ and you have a dog dung. Now, there, this, it, there's a funniness to this, but I hope it only, only takes us to the gravity of it in this way. Paul's already said there's coming a day when we will all, the day of Christ, when Christ Returns to set all things right. Or if you die, you know, you stand before God, but that, that we will stand before a righteous God. And I just want you to see, this is why I did this. I, want, I don't wanna be silly with this. I want you to see this. So when you stand before God and, and to be in God's presence requires the righteousness of God, if we stand there like this, 
God, I've trusted Christ. All that Christ did, I believe he did it for me. And I brought a little something along myself. You know, it's like we laugh, right? But step back from it and consider what, what Paul's saying is, it's not funny that when we, when we come to God with Christ and our stuff, it is excrement. And the reality is when we come like this, can I say this? You actually only come with this. You're, you're, you're standing before a holy God with what you've achieved and what you've done. And it's this. That's, that's to not know God. Do you see what I'm saying? So to come with both is to come with one. To come with this is to come trusting what Christ has done and what Christ alone has done, not anything you could ever do. And if we come with both, we are in grave danger. I, I'm, the scripture says this. You're not a Christian. This is not the gospel. And y'all, we live in a day and we live in a place, quite frankly, where there are a lot of people who think they're in and they're not. Trusting in the gospel and to trust in Jesus. We've always said this a lot. Jesus plus anything equals nothing. Jesus plus nothing equals everything. So with that, Let's stand together and we're gonna respond in song. Um, Y'all, there's two songs we're gonna sing. And in between those two songs, we're gonna take the Lord's table. And, and we're doing this because if you want to, you can come up to the kneelers and pray. You can do it there in your chair. But it's a, it's a you know, again, we don't do it after every service, but where appropriate, we want to. And this will be a time when you can repent for anything you're bringing to Jesus, to God, other than Jesus. Any of your own works, you know, subtly, just a trace. So let's sing of the, of the finished work of Jesus. Let's participate in his table. And during these next, you know, seven or eight minutes, uh, let us listen to the Spirit and respond to however the Spirit may lead you. You know Christ, but there's repentance that needs to be done. Or you don't know Christ. Put your trust in the finished work of Jesus, in the finished work of Christ alone.